things I want to do tonight. And um, I was thinking I've been doing leading home groups. I think the first home group I started leading was in my parents' basement, and I think it was 30 years ago. So I've been leading home groups for 30 years, and there have been a lot of bad home groups. I think my favorite bad home group story, and this was very early on, had two new college students. Very quickly, they hooked up and got married like that and disappeared from our fellowship like within two months' time. It was like, oh, oh. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, we didn't know what we were doing. That was very early on, wasn't it, Shannon? We were married when this was going on. It was, yeah. So anyway, um, there have been some bad home groups. And a little more background for TCF. Um, we just, we actually, starting this next week, are reshuffling some of our home groups. Um, some of our home groups, we've gotten kind of siloed. We've gotten just into our personalities and our habits. Not bad things, but it just seemed like it would be a good time for us to reboot some of our home groups, shuffle some of our leaders. So really what's on my heart is that we would go back to the fundamentals. And honestly, what I'm going to share tonight, Billy put the chapter from the leadership manual in here that I'm going to share out of. So I'm going to more or less share out of that uh, with a few additional thoughts. But the main thing is I want us to go back to, to fundamentals for home groups. So some of what I'm going to say is really for the TCF guys and, you know, Billy and Ben might apply it however for you guys. But in a lot of ways, it's uh, let's remind ourselves of the most important things about our meeting. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. So just the, the weekly meeting itself. Um, again, I think if you think about it, or as I've looked and compared to churches and talked to other churches and how they do things, um, home groups, deliberately gathering to cultivate discipleship is the secret sauce in many ways, as Billy said. Um, there's lots of growth going on in lots of churches, but the life that's supposed to happen on the other side of conversion doesn't really happen in a lot of churches in a lot of contexts. And I think home groups deliberately gathering in small groups to cultivate discipleship uh, is where it's really at. Um, so just a couple thoughts broadly to begin with about the home group. I want to talk about the meeting itself, just the meeting. But you do have to back up and say, hey, what's the life that we have together? Do we have life together? Do we have relationships outside of the meeting? Um, is there something going on in our relationships in this home group outside of church meeting and uh, our weekly meeting? Do we know God? All right, there's no formulas and there's no meeting formulas that will do anything unless there's some life to channel there. And so we've got to be deliberate about being aware of that and cultivating that, uh, those relationships outside of the meeting. Let me read these two scriptures that we have. They were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And then the Hebrews passage. And let us take thought of how to spur one another on to love and good works, not abandoning our own meetings as, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other even more so because you see the day drawing near. So I think this Acts passage is a little snapshot of what happened. Remember in Acts uh, Peter preaches the first Christian sermon. There's a huge response. 3,000 people respond and come to faith. And then we get this description that starts in 42 of their life together. 
And I think it's a snapshot. It's just these are the things that were naturally going on on the other side of professing faith in, in Jesus. I think it's a description of the life, not necessarily a prescription, but I think there's a lot we can look at there to say if these things aren't going on, we need to ask ourselves some serious questions. So, and if you think about it there in Acts, especially before they got scattered, they essentially had two meetings. They gathered in the temple, which was a huge place, which they could gather 3,000 people. And then they were gathering in homes. They had these two poles of their life together. And there was all kinds of life going on in between. But it was those two poles of large gatherings together where worship and teaching were taking place. And then these small gatherings that went on in their homes. And just real quick to remind you of what these verses are saying. First, it says they were devoting themselves. This word means that it was their regular habit to do these things. It was their regular habit to do these things. It was their reflex. It was their ingrained pattern to meet together. They were devoted to this life together paradigm. Um, And then those, those four things that are listed. The apostles' teaching. I think that this is just the gospel. What was the apostles' teaching? We'll go back to what Peter shared. It was... The message of Jesus Christ. It was the gospel. We could say it was the scriptures and unpacking how the Old Testament spoke of Jesus to come and the the apostles' testimony. Remember, at this point, there's no New Testament. They're living it. But the point is, I think the focus was on the good news. The focus was on the good news of Jesus, the gift of the Holy Spirit, forgiveness from sin, fellowship. This is a big word, but let me give you my paraphrase shorthand for it right now. Harmony created by shared purpose. I think that's the key. Harmony, sh- harmony created by shared purpose. It's not just harmony. It, it can degenerate into hobbies or interests or personality. It's shared purpose. We're driven together by this thing that God has done. Uh, we're committed together in this cause together. So they had this sense of harmony created by shared purpose. Breaking of bread. They were eating together. But we have to keep in mind that they're eating together. When you think about them eating together, you should think back to the Gospels. Remember Jesus' meals. They were very significant. They were uh, invitations into the kingdom. Uh, They were invitations into discipleship with Jesus. Their meals weren't just a practicality. I think even if their meals in their homes weren't communion, they were... Hinting in, hinting at, and pointing at communion. Does that make sense? There was sort of this rhythm. And of course, we know that most of the early communion was in the midst of meals that they had in their homes. There's nothing more intimate than sharing a meal for these people, especially in that world. And so it was their shared life together, their shared resources together. Prayer. I think this just covers worship, prayer, praise. Praying for concerns. I think it covers that whole category. I don't know that Luke here is being uh, exhaustive, but he's saying these four things were characteristics of their life together. And so I think that we really want to pray and aim at in our knowing of God and our participation, participation with him to see these things happening, both at our large gatherings, but in our homes through the weeks, the week, and especially in our home groups. And finally, there's more we could draw out of this, this Hebrews verse, but I, I love this verse. This is one of my favorite verses for thinking about meetings. Let us take thought. Right? This means a 
I deliberately, proactively think about the people in my life. I consider them. And in doing so, I'm thinking about how I can spur them on. And this word is a good, strong word. Uh, It's a pretty intense word. Uh, It's a word that's kind of related to goading somebody. How can I help my brothers and sisters give themselves more intensely to love and to service and to good works? And I think, among other things, it speaks of all of us having a responsibility for one another. And you wouldn't be here if you don't, in some ways, carry responsibility for the people of God. But our responsibility should spur us to help other people enter into this life of being responsible for one another, where we really do consider one another. And our consideration isn't, I'm irritated by them or I want to fix them. It's how can I encourage them to love and good works? So what does the weekly meeting do? Just, you, we, there's a lot we could say here. These are some things that came to mind as I was praying and getting ready for the weekend. Uh, as I said in the beginning, it's a tool for the growing up of newborn babes. Uh, people will tell you about when they look at church growth and, and formerly uh, evangelistic crusades like, like Billy Graham. Uh, it's the follow-up. It's the life outside of that gathering or that big meeting where the essential next steps of revival happen. And I think that's one of the most important things to understand about our meetings is it's, there's a good sermon, this is the response to the sermon and the, the application of the sermon to our lives. Um, so it's, again, I would say it's the discipline part of revival. There's revival, we pray for revival, we wanna see God move, we want powerful church services, but the, the next step is that it takes shape in our gathered lives together where it seeps down into the the grain of our lives. I think it's the laboratory of love. Okay, other than your immediate family, a home group is the most immediate place where the Christian virtues can be practiced, and in particular, the virtue of love. Right? The virtue of, there's people here that I don't like, that are not like me, that have from a different background, and I am learning to give myself to them for their good. Um, it's a training ground for spiritual gifts. Okay, the church service isn't the best place to practice spiritual gifts, but I think the home group is the perfect place to practice spiritual gifts. It should be a place where people are learning to figure out what they can contribute to others and have a confidence and a sense about that. It's, again, as I said there, as we talked about the fellowship, it's this place of ongoing fellowship, the sense of, hey, this is my platoon, this is the group of people that I'm teamed up with in this cause that we're giving ourselves to together. I think the home group used properly is probably over the years the most effective strategy for outreach. It is the relationships in the home group and people being exposed to the relationships in the home group that in my experience has proven the most consistent way that people get added to the body. And by the way, as people have visited recently, a number of different people have asked me how we do membership. And what I've been telling them lately is, well, you know, a lot of people have books, a lot of people have different approaches to membership. Here's how we do membership. It's dynamic. It takes shape as you are a member of the body. And for us, that means being in a home group. For us, that means being in a small group of people where you're doing life together and uh, you're accountable and, um, and you're growing together with a team of people. You're responsible in this circle. And so I think 
Uh, I think that's important to help people understand that membership is, again, for a lot of people, it's that weekly meeting. For us, it's no, this integrated life that we have together. Um, It's where personal discipleship takes place. It's where leadership training happens. All right. Here is, for me, what's on my heart, practically speaking, one of the most important things I'm going to say, and it's super simple. It's super, it's super simple, but I think it's really important. So TCF guys and ladies, listen up. It's follow the schedule that we have for home group meetings. It's just stick to what we say should happen in a home group meeting and keep it as short as you can. All right, Patrick Lencioni has a book called Death by Meeting. Don't kill your people with an extra long home group meeting. All right, and I'm going to elaborate on what I mean by that. But there's some things that we think should happen in every home group meeting, and you should just try to make sure those things happen and keep your eye on the clock, not in a way that's distracting, but keep your eye on the clock and make sure those things happen. All right, I think this will... I think this has improved my home group as I've paid attention to that. It has improved me as a home group leader. And there's plenty of times when maybe for various reasons your home group might go long or might get off script. But don't do that until you're really good at sticking to this. Until you're really good at understanding, I just got to submit myself to this process and let it shape me and, and don't drift off of it. Um, so there's a couple of ways I could get into this. Don't ride your hobby horse. You know, people have, I don't know, a lot of people have an experience in home group sometime early on in their life in church, and that defines for them home group. Does everybody know what I mean? You had some kind of experience. Maybe it was a great worship experience, or maybe it was this super intense conversation. And for you, that becomes the be-all, end-all of home group. Don't get caught in that. That may happen. But that's not the be. That experience you had is not necessarily the be-all, end-all. So don't idealize your favorite experience. One of the reasons I wanted to shuffle home groups is because I think home groups take on a personality. Does everybody know what I mean? It's, it's a combination of the leaders and the people in it. And it's great, but sometimes you can just do your personality and not really, and that keeps you from really opening yourself up to some of the things that I think God wants to do in our midst. Amen? So the manual says, keep it to an hour, an hour and a half. I'm just going to say this for TCF, and Billy and Ben can say differently. TCF guys, try to keep it in an hour. Do your best to keep it in an hour. Um, I know there's some two-hour home groups out there, and I just think that sometimes that can be death by meeting. Uh, that That can be hard on everybody. So, it may be that I'm 50 and I'm just getting old and I want to get to bed. I don't think it's that. I think there's real wisdom in this. So, let me comment briefly on the, the sort of five things that go on in a meeting. And this is brief. Again, there's a lot in the manual that I would encourage you to look at. But uh, five components of a meeting. And I'm not necessarily going in any particular order. Worship. Um, you know, how many home groups don't have a musician? Really? Okay, so, wow, okay. Well, one thing I would say, one thing I would encourage everybody in, and it may be even if you have a musician, it might be good for a season to say, you know what, we're just going to worship without music. We may sing, 
But we're going to worship and we're going to use scripture as a resource. I think it's one of the things I just want to say briefly about worship is let scripture shape your worship. People should come with a a passage of scripture that's on their heart that encourages worship. The Psalms are a resource. There's so much scripture that could just be our focus in worship or just stimulate worship. You could come and you could say, hey, guys, we we don't have instruments or we're not going to do instruments, but we're just going to lift up praise. We're going to lift up thanksgiving. Um, If there's one thing I would encourage in worship, it would be digging deeper into Scripture and Scripture's resources for worship. All right, there's a lot of things you could do, but I just want to encourage the scriptural foundation of worship. And I think a good question to ask in your home group about worship is, do we have joy? Okay, that can happen without good music. Do we have joy? Can we really pour out our hearts in gratitude and joy? Is that something that characterizes our group when we come together? All right, prayer or gifts, ministry time. This usually flows out of the time of worship. This, what I would say here is, this is the perfect place to practice the gifts, okay? And I'll just admit right now in my current home group, this is probably one of the weakest areas because I think it takes time to get this going and maybe to teach on this and to model it. Um, It takes preparation. It takes people really giving themselves in anticipation to this. But if you've ever been in a home group, and hopefully you have had people in your home group who always bring something. Everybody have that? As a home group leader, that is one of the most encouraging things. And I guess one thing I want to say is about this in general, how refreshing it is when you have a team in your home group that brings stuff to the game. Um, But the spiritual gifts, I think sometimes we need to teach on it. We just maybe need to go through and give some examples of scriptures about spiritual gifts or ministry. Um, I think we need to encourage practice. And that, again, that takes time. That takes cultivating an atmosphere where people are willing to make a mistake or willing to risk something. Um, And so, again, if your home group isn't great at this, I think it's, it's good to take a season, maybe a month or two, Uh, to to talk about it and to encourage it. I think it's important for the home group leader to model gifts, to to exhibit them, to to share them. You don't have to be super gifted, but if if you can give some examples. And then I think this is really important, identifying when something is a spiritual gift. Does that make sense? And sometimes that's just the skill of underlining. Maybe somebody prays something, Maybe somebody shares something and you think, man, I think that's really from the Spirit. Just take a moment and say, hey, y'all, I, I think that's, you know, the Holy Spirit using them. I think that's a gift. All right. I think highlighting those things is really key. But again, if there was if there was one broad thing I would say about this, it's helping people practice the gifts and asking people, asking members of the home group, do they know? Have they do they know if they've ever exercised a spiritual gift like this? Uh, and again, there's, there's a plethora. We can, you can go to multiple scriptures to look at all the different gifts. All right, scripture or the teaching time. Let me just say this. I don't think you have to give a teaching per se. Okay, one of the greatest resources here is the sermon that's been given every week. And for a number of years at TCF, that's just what we dig in on. Is we, because you don't need a new teaching. 
Sometimes it's just let's take the teaching that's out there and let's dig into that teaching. So something we've been trying to do is have questions that we have ahead of time that we send out. And I think when I send questions out ahead of time and give home group members enough lead time, that is a great opportunity for good conversation in the Word. Um, But at any rate, you don't have to necessarily teach. You can, again, use something that's already out there. Um, The sermons, um, the scripture that, that we're reading as a church, or anything like that. And again, I think the large question for this time is, are we connecting to the Word? Are people digging into the Word? I will share this too, and this may be more related to worship, um, but I think it's related to this as well. Our home group for the last two years now has had scriptures that we're memorizing together, and we take a long time. I mean, we're like five months, four months. How long have we been on Psalm 91? It's been a long time. Um, I don't know if everybody's going to make it through, but we're memorizing a psalm together, and we have somebody share it every week. That's a great focus on the Word, right? I think it's a great spiritual discipline. Um, I think it challenges everybody in a good and healthy way. So again, um, don't be intimidated that you have to teach. Don't think you have to teach. Um, I very often aim at people responding to the word that's already gone forth. All right, outreach. Um, I think it's important that as a home group, we discuss these situations. We discuss Contacts that we have, people that we think um, are, that we're reaching out to are an opportunity for outreach. I think the important thing here is keeping this before the home group. Um, a good question in this area is, have we added new people in the last year? And if we haven't, it's not, okay, we're bad, let's be condemned. It's, I think, very often we just need to pay attention. And keep this before our hearts. And again, I want to underline something that Billy says in the manual, which is this. I think you could build a home group if all you did in your home group was say, hey, everybody, meet new people when they're at church and invite them over to dinner. I guarantee you that in a year you could build a home group just doing that. All right, because I've done it a lot and it really works. But the point here in this section is helping people Uh, helping people keep that before their hearts. Um, And again, I think it's a good question. In the last year, have we added anybody? Why is that? Uh, And we might need to adjust some things in order to make that happen or to strategize. We do mention that the the home group meeting isn't necessarily an outreach meeting, but the nice thing about a home group is it can be deployed strategically to do whatever we need it to do. So if there is an outreach situation, that is always an excellent opportunity to cancel home group and help the person move or have a cookout or whatever it may be. Uh, I think we can be very deliberate and flexible with the home group. I do remember one time somebody brought somebody and it was sort of an outreach situation and they didn't let me know beforehand and I thought he was going to punch me. He was definitely doing this uh, in my chest and yelling at me about it. Um, so I, anyway, it's a good thing to plan and strategize as a group. Um, the last thing, vision. Um, do people know why you do home group? Again, I think the important thing here is to not get into a just this is what we do because we do it. But to keep before people's hearts why we do home group. This can be the shortest part of the meeting, but maybe one of the more important parts of the meeting. Uh, it helps people remember what we're about. Um, so it's so it's so key. And again, you don't have to say the same thing every time, 
But it is reminding people what the home group is about. We're here to grow. Personally, as disciples of Jesus, we're here to get big enough that we're going to have to split. And by the way, I think this keeps people from getting so settled and comfy that they don't want to split. Do you know what I mean? I think that can happen in a home group. You get so... You get so comfortable with the people that are there that you're not focused on new people and um, keeping this vision before people. It reminds people about what we're up to. Why do we meet? And this is, by the way, where, again, when I'm on my game, there's emails and texts before and after meetings to help people remember the vision, to help people know what we're doing and know where we're headed. I think these things are really uh, are really key to maintaining vision. Okay, so this is some additional thoughts I have that I want to encourage people, especially TCF people, as we, as we re-engage or as we reboot our home groups. Um, and the first thing is just assessing the meetings. Like, how are our meetings? Uh, how, you know, are they, are they death by meeting or are they life by meeting? And this is where I think you have to dump your ego as a home group leader and really research and find out how the meetings are. And again, I think if you do your due diligence here, the meeting won't be your personality taking over this time, but it will really be God moving through his people. Uh, I think one of the things you can do is to think about those five parts of the meeting and just rate how you're doing. Rate how those things are going, right? Green is good. Yellow is fine. Red is, man, we need some work here. Um, just honestly assess how each one of those things are going and focus on the weakest area, right? And figure that thing out and, um, and find some tools to deliberately grow that. Um, I think there's a number of things that, there's a number of questions you could ask. There's things like, does everybody in the home group engage? How can we get everybody in the home group to engage? This is where I think if you think about your meetings, this is where a lot of problem situations come up. And I don't have solutions for all these. I mean, maybe pe- people do. There's often case-by-case basis, but there's the rambler. Does everybody know what I mean? There's the person that talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, and hopefully it's not the home group leader. <laughs> I think we owe it to one another to help those people. I think we owe it in love to the people in the home group to help that person know it. I don't think we have to necessarily call them out, but I don't think we should let those situations go on. I think we should talk with our home group leader, talk with other people in the home group, and lovingly make a plan to help that person. And there's all kinds of things you can do. You've got to have a conversation with them and let them know, do you know you do this? Okay, can I give you, can we, can we come up with a clue? Can we come up with a sign that I give you when it's time to, to break it off? I think it helps those people. It's loving. It, it's helpful to the people in the group. Child care. My home group is um, in a situation where we have a lot of kids and we, we probably need to do something. But figuring out child care is all a part of the home group responsibility. And I don't know. I don't think there's anything in the manual about this. But we've done any number of things. At times, we've had one dad be with the kids. And it was specifically the dads, not the moms. Because I wanted the dads to see what was going on and to be engaged in it. So we would, every once a week, have a dad down there. Sometimes it's been my kids, and it's been great for my kids. Um, I think the thing to do is always to say, hey, what's the best for our home group right now with regard to, to the child care situation? Should my kids be taking care of it, or should we 
Do we need to get the men involved in this? Do we need to get, bring, um, bring sitters in? Sometimes, sometimes home groups have done that. Uh, sleepers? I don't know if anybody's had sleepers in your home groups. Anybody ever had sleepers in your home groups? I don't know that I've solved that one. Um, I have, we haven't had sleepers in a long time, I don't think. It's, but anyway. Controversies. So y'all, I actually, my favorite home groups are when there's controversies. Um, I just feel like they're more real. You know, we had one, I mean, we, uh, where's, uh, she's not here. We had a really exciting one about two years ago. Um, I love controversies, and I think they're opportunities to grow. If somebody says something crazy from the Bible, or if there's an actual fight that breaks out in the home group, to me, those are all great. Um, they are opportunities to lean into that situation and see what we need to do. And they're also opportunities to be able to say one of the most important things a home group leader should say periodically, which is, I don't know. All right. I think it's important to be able to say if there's a question you can't answer, I don't know. But, you know, let's pray about it or let's go to the scriptures or uh, we'll come back to that. Did I just go out? I don't know. What? what? I didn't hear it. All right. It's over. This is a cane. All right. Can you hear me? If I just go loud. Um, So controversies, again, I think just crazy things that happen in home group. I I think those are a good thing. Okay. Um, Let's see. All right. One last thing I want to say. Teamwork. Actually, I have two more things I want to say. Teamwork. Go on this one. Okay. Yeah. I'll just move over. Yeah, it's just into the phone. Here? Oh, that's true. If you can hear me, we're recording it there. Yeah. My phone's okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So two more things, Um, broad things. One is teamwork. Uh, In your home group, you know, the home group leader's not an autocrat. And the home group leader's not an ordained position. Uh, You coordinate a group of people. You coordinate a team. And you really, this is where for me, Jesus sending the disciples two by two kind of comes in. I really think it's important for home group leaders to lean on, both to train, but also to just talk about the home group with your assistant. There should be a lot of powwowing about the weekly meeting and about the meeting itself. Um, You should talk before the meeting. You should talk after the meeting. It doesn't have to be long talks, uh, but it should be things like, hey, how did the meeting go? And hey, how did I handle that situation? And what should we do next time? I think, I think that kind of dialogue in the home group is really essential. I also think it's important for a home group leader to lean on the ladies in the home group that are important, whether it's wives or single ladies who are real team players, okay? Uh, I think this is crucial because they bring a layer of insight that we don't have. And so I'm always asking Shannon about how the meeting went or other ladies in the meeting. Um, People in the home group that do their homework. Everybody knows what I mean? Those are the people that every time there's a conversation, when there's an awkward silence, you can depend on them to talk. You can depend on them to participate. I think you should ask those people about aspects of the meeting. Um, For me, regularly interacting with all the members of the team, especially those who are kind of really crucial to the team, is really important. Um, identifying giftings that are in the room. 
that are people on the team and really leaning on those gifts. Um, identifying dysfunctions on the team. So again, as a home group leader, I, th- I really think you lose out when you're not tuning into the team and getting their input and giving them assignments and soliciting their help and their wisdom. Um, and then just the last thing I would say, um, supports for the weekly meeting. There's tons of resources we have for our meetings. And again, I think it's really, it's really our responsibility to think about are our meetings life-giving and if they're not, to figure out what we need to do. As I've said, though, in a home group, some of the resources I just want to remind you of is, again, your assistant. You should plan and debrief together. The ladies in the home group that are important. Other home group leaders. All right, TCF, we're going to circle up. I mean, we're going to, we may do this just permanently. Once a month after the men's meeting, all of our home group leaders are going to get together. And I really want to make sure it's a time that we equip one another to be home group leaders, where we talk about how meetings go, what works, what doesn't. Uh, when people bring situations that they don't know what to do with, uh, when people just like, whether maybe it's worship, worship's just not that great, what can we do? Um, so other home group leaders, And again, this is where you can learn a lot from other home group leaders about how they do meetings, um, about the giftings they have, and just simple things that they've learned. Um, The ordained leaders, right? The the pastors, I think, are a huge resource. And then lastly, we have tons of good resources, namely the Leader's Manual, the Christian Life Appraisal, uh, the Foundation's Manual. There's so many resources that we have for precisely what we're doing in our home groups. And I just want to encourage people um, to deliberately pursue those. So again, if I were to just wrap everything up, for me, it is that we are working as a team in our home groups and that we have a responsibility not to be pastors, not to be super gifted, uh, but to put forth a little wisdom and a little effort so that our home groups can be life-giving and helpful. So let's just take a few minutes. Let's get like two or three comments or questions before I pass it off to Shannon's hand went right up. (laughs) Yes. Did everybody hear that? The four, could I clarify the, the one-hour rule? Yeah. It is the meeting itself. And honestly, a good sign of the life of a home group is if there's a lot of convo before and after. But don't let chit-chat drift into meeting time. If you can, if you can be good and efficient about running, running a meeting, then there's going to be plenty of chit-chat and things before and after uh, but yeah, I'm not saying, yeah, they hit the door and they're out of the door in an hour. I'm saying, no. I mean, our home group is probably two and a half hours in terms of the social time. But I don't know, for me, people can leave when they want to. They're not hostage to the meeting going on and on and on and on, if that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, good. What else? Jeff. Did everybody hear that? People, what about a cadence of doing accountability during home group? Um, 
I certainly have done that. Maybe, Bill, you can comment on what you've done. I am leaning more and more toward that being something that happens outside of that meeting itself. Lunch with the guys, coffee with the ladies. Um, we certainly have done that. Uh, but I, one thing, I, I mean, just <laughs> accountability needs to be efficient, too. I've found sometimes accountability can go on for hours and hours and hours. And maybe if there's special ministry, I think that needs to happen. But um, I, so for me lately, I'm more prone to say, no, let's let's have that happening outside of the home group. Make sure it's happening. Um, but let's let it happen outside the meeting. So, again, I've done both, but I'm leaning that way lately. Billy, you have any thoughts on that? Or? Uh, for me, it's always been better to be split minimum. Yeah, everybody hear that? It's better to split it up men and women. Yeah. Sometimes, I think some groups, on a particular night, the men will meet one place and the women another. Yep. Uh, some do like once every six weeks, and they do accountability on that night just to schedule. Yep. I, we, we have been leaning a little bit more towards maybe every other week, separately during the week. Um, there's a lot of ways to do it, but I don't think it necessarily always has to be on that night. But yeah, sometimes. Ben. Uh, I was wondering what he was asking about. Did it? He meant the like splitting up men and women. Yeah. Yeah. What else? What other thoughts, questions? Could, could you uh, definitively explain to us how we do membership so that we're all on the same page? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, did everybody hear that? Could I definitively explain how we do membership? I'll take a stab. Uh, for me, again, I think membership is functional. I mean, just think about the analogy. Your arm that works once a week is not a functioning arm. So for me, membership is when a person is an active member. And I guess I mean by that they have relationships and they're connected to a home group. Um, I wouldn't say that I think it's a rule you must be in a home group. I would, it's, but neither, I mean, neither would I say your arm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> For your arm to be functioning, it needs to be connected to the body and working. So I don't know. We don't have a role. We don't have, a, uh, we don't have anything like that. How many people grew up in traditions where you had official membership and you transferred the membership? Um, we don't have that. For me, it is entirely functional. Uh, and that's when, when new people are coming, I'm inviting them into membership in that way. Be in a home group, get to know people, receive and give, um, you know, in your commitment to discipleship. Anything you want to, how'd I do? <laughs> What's that? How'd I do? Uh, okay, there you go. All right, one more thought, question, Brenda. There are some funny articles about all the, there's like seven personality types in the country. Oh. Well, you mentioned the open topic. Yeah. But there's also, you should look Okay. <laughs> Brenda said there's funny articles about the seven personality types in a home group. Uh, you know, and I mentioned one of them. There's the Rambler. I don't know what the other ones are, but. Yeah, Sam. <laughs> Yeah, hey, come on. Set. The derailer. Who takes it 
Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the Gospel of John and they go off and talk about Putin. The what? What are they? The problem fixer. Uh, did everybody hear that one? See, that's really good. The problem fixer always has to comment and give advice to every single person on the thing they share. And the worst time for a problem fixer to speak up is when somebody gives a prayer request. Yeah. It's time for prayer to give a prayer request. Well, yeah, but you know the other day I... Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, what are the others? The, the person that doesn't say anything, which, again, by the way, we need to help those people. I mean, I really aim at helping pe- everybody participate. Somebody who doesn't study the Bible very much and gives a weird answer to the question. Uh, <laughs> just like... So somebody who, they never read the Bible, but they give really bizarre answers. And they seem to feel like they need to talk. And I feel like they shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Somebody that's not yet a Christian. Yeah. The listener contributor. Ex- explain that one. That's a good. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 Well. So again, I want to encourage everybody to be a team in your home group, home group leaders, to, to, to huddle your people up and to see how your home group is doing. And it might be worth doing that before you leave this weekend. Just say, hey, of those five things that we're supposed to be doing in the home group, what are we weakest on and how can we, how can we grow in that over the next period of time? Um, let, me, let me just give that as an official piece of homework assignment. Huddle up with your home group leader and do that. So you have a plan going into this next week. All right, anybody, last, last thoughts or questions? Again, last place to go is read this section of the manual. JP. Yeah. Did everybody hear that? So how do you how do you how do you get people to be willing to share with you as a home group leader how things are? Um, and I guess in part it's the humility. Again, part of it is I do think as a home group leader you really want to know, and so you'll do whatever you need to do to find out. Hey, is this going well? Um, sometimes. Uh, I think that's where a wife or one of the ladies in the home group can be great because they can, you can do judicious polling. Does everybody know what I mean? It doesn't have to be like I'm going to pass out a, a, you know, an anonymous poll, but you can, you can do judicious polling, whether it's just, you know, asking people in one-on-one conversations or whatever. Um, I do think it's, I, I do think you want to be open to criticism. I mean, I think in general, um, a lot has to do with the home group leader's attitude. If you've got a chip on your shoulder or you're insecure or defensive, uh, you're not going to, people aren't going to think you want to hear. If you're autocratic, they're not going to, you know, think you want to hear. So I think a lot has to do with cultivating that yourself. And then again, just really wanting to know because you want life to be ministered in the home group and not, uh, and not death. 
Um, yeah, anybody, I don't know. Any thoughts on that? Shannon, any thoughts on that? Yeah. In the meeting? No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, just, I mean, yeah, asking people not directly outside of the meeting. And I was just thinking about the people who don't talk, asking them outside the meeting, hey, I really value everybody contributing. How can I help you contribute? Is there, what is it that keeps you from doing that? Um, again, I just think lots of conversations um, that give you data on how the home group is going. All right, well, let me close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the picture of the church in Acts. Lord, that life was going on. Uh, life was bubbling up. Uh, Lord, because you had you'd moved through the power of your Holy Spirit, people were responding to you. You were adding to the church. Lord, we want to love your people well. Uh, Lord, we want, to, we want to equip them. And God, I just pray that you would, you would bless all the teams in this room. Uh, God, that you would make us better teams. God, that you would improve our wisdom and skill. Lord, that we would be good at, uh, at cultivating people in worship. Lord, that we would be good at uh, drawing people out in conversation. Uh, Father, that we would be good at helping people uh, minister life. Lord, what we primarily ask is not tips and tricks, but your genuine life flowing in our midst. People being set free from sin. People finding the joy of the Lord. Healing happening. Uh, And Lord, we just ask that you would make us wiser and wiser. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, I thank you that you do overpowering, miraculous things. But I thank you that you also give us good ideas. And I pray that you would give us the whole gamut of your wisdom as it relates to uh, cultivating and steering the life that uh, that you're giving us and that is flowing through our midst. We bless you and thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.